Mac Power Users, episode 427, The iPhone Field Guide. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Katie, welcome back. Slightly singed, but yes, I'm still here. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. I really missed you last week. Uh, for those of you that didn't listen to last week's show, as we were doing the countdown to get started with Andy and Otko as a guest, literally Katie's house got hit by lightning and she her system got fried. So we we lost her mere seconds before we were supposed to start the show. And at the time, of course, we didn't know exactly what the problem was. So we kept expecting her to show up. And, and you never made it, Katie. I, I never made it. So, um, yeah, just to touch base briefly, um, we, we had uh, I'll say right now I'm sitting here. It's 70 degrees. The sky is clear. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's beautiful. I almost contemplating podcasting from the back porch. But that was not the case last week when we were recording. And, you know, I we could have contemplated moving the recording. Sometimes we do. But we already had Andy scheduled. You know, Andy's a busy guy. And it was just a, a deluge outside as I was as I was driving home. I was actually on the phone with you. But um, with the, you know, I still had power. I still had Internet. So we recorded and we got on the Skype horn with Andy and I actually spoke to him a little bit. And right as we were getting ready to count down, uh, this bolt of lightning struck that I it I will tell you, it was I I've been had lightning strike damage. Uh, I've, I've lived here more than 30 years in, in this general area. And I've had damage from lightning strikes, I, I would say, four to five times. Um, and this lightning strike, uh, I think it hit in my either in, in the yard. I actually I heard it. I saw it. The The little hairs on my arm were sticking up. I felt it. It was so close. Uh, um, but because, as you know, we've talked about on the show, I've got these um, these power APC uh, battery backups on everything. Although my house lost power, everything that I could immediately see, my, my computer and my monitor were all still recording. So I didn't realize that anything was, was out of the normal because everything was still up on my screen. But uh, David was gone. Andy was gone. My modem was gone. My power was gone. Uh, all of a sudden, the APC started beeping. And uh, I realized that something was very, very wrong. You know, we're going to do an MPU Plus next week, and, and we're going to do the whole kind of breakdown of what happened and, and how Katie was able to protect herself and, and what worked and what didn't. Uh, but uh, you, it's safe to say you're back this week. You didn't get electrocuted. That was good. I was actually worried about you because I was listening to it. You know, uh, I've seen more lightning in 10 minutes in Florida than I saw my whole life in California. So my first concern was that you actually got zapped or something, but I, I'm glad that didn't happen. And uh, I guess we'll get on with today's show, but we'll come back to this a little bit next week. Yes. Yeah. We'll cover it in more detail, but the short version is I'm fine. Uh, you know, lightning is a funny thing. Uh, I suspect that probably for the next few weeks, I'll be finding random little things that need to be replaced. But uh, the short version is it's, it's mostly all okay now. Well, we don't really have that here, but just the earth shakes once in a while and houses fall down. That's the that's the problem we have. But we've got much bigger things to talk about this episode because, David, you did a big thing. Yeah, I released a new book, The iPhone Field Guide. And, and I must say, I think this is the biggest one yet. And dare I say, maybe the best one yet. Can I say that? Is that an OK thing to say? 
I don't know. I love all of my children, you know, <laughs> but the, uh, this is definitely the one that took the longest to write. It was a, uh, it's a different kind of book. You know, most of my field guides are super focused on one issue, you know, like paperless or email or whatever that the book is about. And, and I like to go super in depth on, on one thing, but I'd always wanted to do a book that was more kind of general that covered, you know, a platform in a wider idea. And I, I had started writing this book before I left the law firm and went out on my own. So that's, it's now three years that this book has been kind of cooking along and I finally got it done. So that, that feels good, but it, it is very much a different kind of book. How did you know? I mean, I think we've been talking about the iPhone field guide for a, a little while. Um, and, you know, you, you started famously with iPad for work did it kind of feel like um, you wanted to circle back around and do a book just on the iPhone? Why Why did you decide to come back around to this topic? Because it comes out of my pocket so many times a day. And there's so many people that don't use the iPhone to its to its uh, full extent of power. You know, there, there's so many great apps. And it just seemed to me like there needs to be a book that can help people find the ones that they need. And, you know, the problem is it's such a hot mess in the app store. You go in there looking for something and you even search for an app by name and half the time you don't find it. And I just felt like there needs to be kind of a curated list. So, uh, so this book really is a couple different things. And number one, it's kind of my version of a user guide of the stuff that I think is really useful on the iPhone that I think everybody should know. So there's some of it's just about iOS and how to use the iPhone. Uh, some of it's like a hardware buyer's guide. There's chapters in there about like which iPhone should you get. And there's chapters about all the various bits of hardware you can buy to improve your iPhone experience. And then some of it is kind of an opinionated app buyer's guide. It's it's a real, I think that's one of the reasons it took a while to finish the book is I was trying to get my head around what's the best way to convey this information. And I knew the whole time I had it, this two gigabyte cap with, you know, which sounds like a lot really, but for me, it wasn't enough. I want more. And uh, so I wanted a book that could, could be sold in the iBookstore. It had to be within two gigabytes, but at the same time, it had to cover all these various things that I thought. And um, that was the challenge. For people who aren't familiar with the Max Sparky empire, you, you've got several of these field guides out. Um, some of them are iBooks. Some of them are video field guides. Um, the iBooks, you also have PDFs. So what is this one? I mean, can, tell us a little bit about the format of this and, and why you picked this particular format for this field guide. So this one is an iBooks book. So you can buy it in the Apple iBook store. It's fully made with the iBooks author platform. We can talk about that a little bit later because there's some news on that front. But uh, the, the result is it's a fully rich media book. Um, it's 44 chapters. Uh, over 50 screencasts are embedded in the book. So because it's iBooks author, you, the, the screencasts are literally in the book. So if you get on an airplane, you don't have Wi-Fi, you can still watch the screencasts. Uh, which is, and, and Apple has this rule that if you sell a book that's made like this, the maximum size is two gigabytes. So this one is like 1.9 something gigabytes, <laughs> but it, but it's also a lot of words, you know, like uh, I've done field guides on things like OmniFocus or Hazel where they're 
a field guide just on one software product on your Mac or your iOS device. And for those, I do those as what I call a video field guide. It's just a video. You know, you can download the video and watch it. And and that works great for a single application. But something like this where I'm covering uh, 44 chapters worth of apps, uh, I want to put a few words in there too. So uh, this book has 65,000 words. And uh, to give a, a very simple ideas like there's a chapter on calculators and there's calculators that are good for engineers there's calculators that are good for business people i i pick the kind of the cream of the crop calculators and explain why they are and do some screencasts on them so you can kind of see how they work um so i guess that's kind of a a long-winded answer to your question and so is the determining factor of what makes a video field guide, what makes a book field guide kind of, you know, the, the subject matter or the length or, or kind of whether you... it's a subject matter. I mean, if it's one app, it's usually going to be a video field guide because one app I can cover fine without a bunch of words. But in this thing where I've got a bunch of different apps, um, I want to be able to talk about them with a book form where you can go through and, and selectively pick your chapters and then watch the embedded screencasts on those. Uh, a book is a lot more work. You know, an iBooks author book is significantly more work to produce because I, you know, I have um, copy editors and I've got people and there's a whole layout thing that goes on. So and and it works with iBooks author, which is kind of its own pain in the neck. The, the book that comes out of it's great, but sometimes iBooks author can can be a little uh, troublesome. But I think using the term book to describe this is is interesting because it it kind of is a book in 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 that it's kind of you know rectangular ish and can be viewed on an iPad, but it can also be viewed on an iPhone and on a Mac. But that's and it has some words in it. But that's kind of where the book analogy ends. I mean, it's made with a program called iBooks Author, and it's sold in the Apple iBooks Store. But to call this a book, I think, kind of does it a disservice. Yeah, it is kind of hard. It's a multimedia something, is what I call it. And in this one, because it's all about the iPhone, I wanted it to be a fully immersive experience on the iPhone. If someone doesn't even own an iPad and a Mac, but they want to read this book, I wanted to, to make it possible. So uh, that took a bunch of extra work. Like all of the screencasts in this book, except for one in the introduction, um, all of them are shot on an iPhone in portrait mode. And if you're reading this iBooks author book, multimedia something, whatever on your phone, uh, and you watch the screencast, you can completely watch them on your phone. You don't need to be on a Mac or an iPad to view them. It it displays just fine. But that took a bunch of work on the production side for me. And um, the other thing I had to do, like iBooks author has this this method of displaying a book and the the layout mode where as the author lays the book out. And if you look at this on the iPad, I really think, or the Mac, that's what you get. And I think it's really beautiful. I mean, I think that, the fonts and the typography and the, the artwork and everything in the book, I think came out really nice. And just the colors and layout. I was very happy with the way the book looks, but on the phone that doesn't help because the screen is so small. So you go into the scrolling mode, which is enabled through iBooks author. And I, I put that, I baked that into this book. And then it's just kind of a list of the text that you can scroll through and, you can click on the chapters and watch the screencast and everything. You don't get quite the beautiful layout, but you get something that's very manageable on your phone and you can like adjust the font sizes and things like that. So that's another reason why this one took a while. So I had to get that to work right. Yeah. So as Jed Bartlett would say, give me some numbers. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, it's there. I, I lost, you know, I have the, I'll have to look at my spreadsheet. I think it was ended up being 56 screencasts, but it, don't quote me on that. But there was a lot of screencasts. There's 44 chapters, uh, 1.9 something gigabytes, 65,000 words. 1.9999999 gigabytes. And it's not that close, but it's pretty close. You know, basically, um, I wrote the whole book, got all the screencasts in, and then some of the screencasts I had to pull out to get it down to the limit to uh, to be able to publish. And the way this, this thing works is... You know, the screencasts are the ones that take the most memory in the book because it's a, it's an embedded video and it's over two hours of video. It's like a feature length movie on iPad apps. So it's kind of crazy when you start thinking about it that way. And when did you start this project? Yeah, like I said, I started it as, as I was leaving the law firm. This was going to be the first book I wrote after I left. And it just took a, lot, a long time. I mean, uh, part of it was starting my own business for the law practice. Part of it was getting my arms around how this thing was going to work. You know, it was a different kind of book. It took a lot more time to kind of figure out what I was going to do. This book took more research than most books because I spent a lot of time and money buying and rejecting apps that I thought might get in the book. didn't make it. Then the ones I did find, I, I wrote up for the book. And then the production side took a lot of extra time too, because uh, iBooks author is always it always takes a lot longer to do something in iBooks author than to just make a a, um, a video, and the getting that that scrolling view for the iPhone to work just right took time. Like if you look at the um, the last major, well, I did that sixty tips book with Brett last year, but the last book I wrote myself alone was the presentations field guide. And that book doesn't have the scrolling view enabled. It's just a nice layout. And I really like the way that came out. But this book was obviously not going to work that way because it's an iPhone book. It needed to work on the iPhone. And did the fact that it took you a little longer, perhaps, than you anticipated to do this book, did that change the plan or the book throughout? I, w I imagine that we've had versions of iOS come out. We've had versions of the iPhone come out. How did that change your plans? Yeah, I mean, it, it did. I, to tell you the truth, I didn't put the time into this book. I could have had this book done sooner if I had put more time in it. I, you know, I've been tracking my time in 2018 really good. I've got over 200 hours in this book since January of this year. Um, and I don't think I spent that much time on the book. I don't think I spent 200, 200 hours in the two years before that. It just, you know, it, it just kept falling off my um, priority list. You know, that that's the whole, one of the reasons why I got into the whole hyper scheduling thing. Oh, here is, it is. Uh, drink. Not, we should like I, ring I, a bell, something. I'm not, not going to get into that today. But, I, it, but one of the reasons why I got a lot more serious about my own pro productivity is I was constantly frustrated. I felt like the things that were super important to me weren't getting the time they deserved. And that was my own fault. So I needed to come up with a system to allow me to build that in and, um, once I was able to do that, you know, then this thing really started coming together. So the book is available through the Apple iBooks store. And um, what about people who maybe are thinking about buying an iPhone, but don't have a, an Apple thing yet? How how else can you read it? Yeah, so right now it's just in the iBook store. Uh, I'm already working on version 1.1. And something I want to do with this book, I haven't really said this anywhere. So you guys are hearing this first is, 
assuming enough people are interested, where as we record this, the book just got released. So I don't know. I mean, this may be a book that nobody's interested in because it's it's a broader book than most of my narrow topic books. And I, I'm not sure if you guys care, <laughs> to say the truth. Uh, but assuming that enough people are interested in this book, my intention is to update it at least twice a year, uh, substantively. Um, there's going to be a 1.1 update coming out probably two or three weeks after this podcast airs. You know, I've got some typos. You always get a, a few things that go wrong with the with the 1.0. But I've got a 1.1 version coming out in a couple weeks um, that's going to fix that stuff. But I would like to do two substantive updates a year. So like when after WWDC or after we get the new version of iOS, I'd like to update it for that. If uh, there's some new fancy app that comes out that I really get excited about, or maybe there's an app that I like that gets cut, um, then I'll take it out. The way this book is written, I can do that. So the idea is to give uh, updates for a couple of years to people. You know, So a couple of times a year, this book gets updated. So it's almost like a live thing. And then after two years, I would do a second edition that you'd have to buy again. So that's kind of the business plan for the book. I don't know if it'll work or not. You know, you know, people always talk to me about how come you don't do a subscription plan at Max Barkey. I, it's hard for me to, to do subscription plans. I'm not, not sure I'm really sold on it. But the uh, the idea, this is kind of a subscription book. You know, if you get it, it's going to be updated for you. Uh, I am with a one point with the version 1.1 that comes out in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a PDF version two, which a lot of people have been asking me for because they live in a country that doesn't have the iBook store, doesn't support multimedia books. Um, and that's fine. I'll have, the, I'll have a PDF that includes a folder with all the videos in it. So you'll get everything. Uh, on, I make more money off the PDF, but honestly, I'd prefer you buy it in iBooks because I think that's a better experience. But if you don't have a choice, I will have a PDF version available. Are things getting any better with, um, you know, the enhanced PDFs or, or is there any better ability to embed some of this stuff in the PDFs or is it just kind of a flat PDF with with the extra material? It's it's a flat PDF with the material. I've, I've done some embedding experiments and the problem is for a lot of people, it doesn't work and the file gets super big. So when you have a PDF that's two gigabytes, all kinds of madness happens. And honestly, a lot of people want this stuff. They just want to load the PDF on their iPad and then they've got the videos in a folder, which is the, the most user-friendly way to watch them. So uh, that's the way I'm going to do it. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Timing, the automatic time tracking app for Mac OS. So let's talk about why you should be tracking your time. For anyone billing their hours, this might seem a little obvious, but even if you're employed or billing per project, you need to estimate how long a specific task is going to take. Timing helps you stay on track of those estimates to make sure that you don't end up in the red with all of your projects, and it can help you make more accurate estimates in the future. Enter timing. Instead of making sure that you start and stop your timers manually, that can be a pain, timing automatically tracks how much time you spend in each app, in each document, in each website. It knows exactly when you're working and on what and when you've slacked off and how productive you've been so you know how to improve your productivity. But that doesn't just happen on your Mac. That's why timing automatically make suggestions for filling in the gaps in your timeline. That way you'll never again forget to enter a meeting or a phone call. 
So I bill by the hour. I'm an attorney and we live by the billable hour. If we forget to track time on a project, we're not making money on that project. And timing has helped me recapture more of my billable hours than I ever could have imagined. I hate billing and keeping track of my time, but if I don't, I lose money. And that's how timing has helped me. Timing has helped me keep track of all those little things that I would just pop in and do and look on a project and that would be easy to miss before. I can go into timing, I can set up a few easy rules, and automatically timing has tracked all of that information for me. So at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, I can go in and recapture all of that time. Being able to catch the time that I've missed has paid for timing over and over and over and over again. Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach, they'll offer you a totally free trial. So you can download the free 14-day trial today by heading to timingapp.com slash MPU. And when you decide to buy it, because I think you will, you can save up to 10% on your purchase. So stop guessing how much time you're spending and instead focus on doing what you're good at. Thank you, Timing, for your kind support of Mac Power users. So, David, we, we talked a little bit about kind of what how the book is put together. You know, who who is this book for? Is it for people who are interested in the iPhone? Is it for Mac power users who are looking to get better? Is it for people who are searching for app ideas? Is it for people who are trying to get better with the iPhone or learn how to use it? Is it a user's guide? I mean, we've kind of thrown out a little bit of all of those things. Give, give me a little deeper idea. I think really the, um, the this book is for people who want to get better at the iPhone. That's, that's the simple answer. Um, if you are super into the iPhone already, and have a very opinionated set of apps and feel like you've kind of got it wired, you probably don't need this book, you know, because this is my version of what I think you need to get the phone wired. And if you've already got it figured out, you're good. If you listen to every episode of Mac Power Users and download every app, you know, it's a it's a close call as to whether you'll get something out of this or not. I'd like to think that you would because I've got power tips in there. But um but it's really just for people who want to get better at the iPhone. And just as an example, I was going through my email today. And I heard from one listener who says, you know, she was really excited about the book and really is enjoying it. She listens to the show, but she still learned a bunch. Then I got an email from another listener that that was saying he, um, you know, he's got all these apps and he's really into it already. He didn't feel like he got as much out of this one as he got out of the paperless or the email book because those go deeper on one subject. So I guess take it for what you will. Um, This is meant to be something to help people get better at the iPhone, but because... I, I can't go to the same level of depth on every app in this book as I could if I just did a book on calculators because I've only got so much space. And I, I, I guess I could make it like a, a book with 40 hours of in-depth video, but I don't know where I would distribute it. And I'd have to quit my job and then the podcast probably as well to make that. Well, I'll tell you, you were kind enough to give uh, me a review, uh, uh, a sneak peek at the the book. I got a chance to take a look at it. And I learned stuff um, flipping through it. I haven't had a chance to read the whole book, um, but I I had a chance to to spend some time with it before you released it and a little bit more over the weekend. And there was stuff in there that I got out of it. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And that's been generally the feedback. I've only had one person write me so far to say they didn't learn anything. So uh, maybe that's good news. And and the other thing that's really uplifting is I had um, a couple uh, people, because this is just, you know, as I say, we just recorded this days after it released. I had one person already, though, write me to say that she got a copy for her mother and her mother really didn't know that much about her phone and is feeling super empowered by the book. And that makes me feel good, too. So 
uh, I don't know. I, I cast a wide net with this book because of the breadth of it, but um, it, it was a lot of fun writing it. I, I hope that it's successful enough that I can do an iPad field guide too. I mean, I'm, there's no mystery there that that would be the next one I would do if, uh, if people like this one. Um, I, I'm very excited to know when my cookies are going to arrive. <laughs> yes, I need to get you some cookies because you helped me out. <laughs> well, that's that's what the like the first page of the book said is that they were coming. So I checked my mailbox today; they weren't there. Just check every day. Katie. I'll check. Just I'll check keep checking. Day. I'll keep checking the mailbox, and and we'll see when they show up. And then I, my other question was: Do you take requests? Because I was showing my mom your iPhone field guide. And she just got a new Apple Watch because I gave her one and a, a bad thing happened. Long story. And anyway, so we had to the very next day. I was very proud. The very next day after the bad thing happened, we had to go out and get a new Apple Watch for her. Although she calls it the iWatch, which bothers me a little bit. But, you know, um, and she said, you know, I really need to get a book about the Apple Watch because I don't think I'm using it to its full potential. Chapter 44. There's a there's a chapter on the Apple Watch. Right. Are you going to do a full book on the Apple Watch? My mom would like to know. I don't know. I don't know, Katie. I, I'll tell you the, uh, if I'm going to do another one of these wide, broad books, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be iPad. I mean, I, I have a lot to say about the iPad and I think that'd be the, the natural next one. I, I've even got some ideas written down, but, but we'll see. Like I said, this is so different for me. Um, it, it could be very popular or it could be something where nobody wants it. I'm just, that's what I'd like. I, this is the the big experiment for me, honestly, <laughs> to see if, if a book like this, if people are interested in it. Your um your photos of your accessories, I must say, in the um in the field guide, they're all very clean. I would like to know how much photoshopping occurred in this, or whether you keep all your stuff that clean. Almost none, and I um though I've got a nice bamboo desk that's got great light. It's the desk I do all my work at, and for almost all of the photos in the book, I just took out whatever was my my favorite accessory was. I laid it on my bamboo desk, and I took a picture with my iPhone. And that is how I took most of those pictures. Unless the iPhone is in the picture, then I either took it with my wife's iPhone or I pulled the Olympus out of mothballs and took a picture with that. Okay, fair enough. I I I am very careful with my stuff, I guess. Although you know my uh, my Apple leather case is looking pretty, starting to look pretty rough. It's it's got some usage. Well, but it's got that aged look to it. There you go. There you go. And, you, and you'll notice in the book, there's a couple things funny about pictures in the book. Um, I, uh, I took multiple trips to Disneyland to take pictures for the book. It was it was research. So it's a tax write off now, right? Your 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 annual pass to Disneyland is now a tax write off. Is that how that works? I, I hope so. That would be great. I, I'm not giving you tax advice. I'm just saying that might be a thing. I'll tell them that's what Katie said. No, that's not that's not an official recommendation. Like almost all the pictures. So we had a lot of fun. I, I did going to take pictures and, you know, I had a shot list. Uh, in fact, one of the nice things you know, with the new OmniFocus beta, they have tags now, and I'm able to add a location as a basis of a tag. You know, because you know, usually a, an OmniFocus task would have a project and a context, but I never like to use locations as context because there's other things I'm already using as context. But I made Disneyland now a context with a, a um, proximity alarm. You know, with a um, you know, with a geofence. So now every time I go to Disneyland, it gives me a list of shots I need to take for the iPhone field guide. So we had fun. Uh, Kate, uh, Daisy even gave me uh, permission to put her picture in the book. So she's in there with some of the stuff. Uh, but we, it was kind of fun going to Disneyland to do those shots. And I should tell people they, they should like pay attention 
in the video and in the screenshots because um sometimes there's some uh what what are they called um Easter eggs Easter yeah. eggs yes there's some Easter eggs in there yeah I always like to have fun I mean the technology shouldn't be stale and dry I the way I write them and the way I um you know the the way the the screenshots and stuff I always like to put fun stuff in there this stuff should be fun learning about this. I, I noticed that you did not use me in the section where you were talking about um, iMessage effects. I appreciate that very much. Well, I, I didn't want to, you know, make you mad. We got to keep the show going. Yeah, I thought that was a an opportunity missed there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was a fun book to write. I, I hope you guys like it, and let me know what you think of it. And if there's apps you think I absolutely need to include in a future version, let me know. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of this pr- that is kind of like uh, back and forth. I'll talk about it in the Facebook group with those guys too. And uh, but it, I, I'm pretty proud of the way it came out, and I feel like it was a lot to bite off. But it, it, I think the book came out really nice. So let's talk a little bit about the um, the actual writing of the book. Um, what does Max Barkey use when when it comes down to to writing it? I know there are multiple steps. You you got to you got to cook the ideas and then you got to, you know, marinate the ideas and we got to do all the <laughs> stages of the the prepping the ideas and, and then they got to come out. So, yeah, when I was first thinking about this book, I had a mind node open with a mind node mind map open and each one, each chapter was a different node on it. And it looked like it looked like some kind of Star Wars based, you know, octopus monster. And I was uh, I was weighing the idea of whether or not I should even write the book because I felt like, like I said, it's so different from the stuff I've done before. And I knew that it was just going to be a lot harder than anything I've written before. So uh, I was having lunch with some guys from Apple and I showed them the mind note and they were like, oh, yeah, this is a great book. You should write it. And and that was where it kind of started. So I was showing this mind note. I think I showed it to you, too. And uh, my first phase was am I going to have a lot of people telling me this is a really dumb idea? So I, I made the my note and I showed it to a few friends and the, uh, and enough people said that it's worth doing that. I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, it, almost all my prior books were written in Scrivener. I decided to do this one in Ulysses. So once I got to the point where I decided to go forward, I uh, converted the my node, uh, via OPML into a Ulysses project. And I had, um, you know, all these buckets for all this text that needed to be written. And it was a bit of a moving target. Like I did a whole series of screencasts and I wrote, I think, you know, 500 words about um, interact scratch pad, you know, and then about two weeks before I released the book, uh, Greg said, no, I'm not going to do that app anymore. <laughs> he's focusing on, he's focusing on drafts five. I get it. And, uh, so, so all that got pulled out. So, you know, it was kind of like things were moving and then, uh, you know, I'd find a new, like I, I, I did a chapter on gaming cause I thought, you know, gaming is important and there are different categories of games and how do I kind of boil this down for somebody that wants to get some fun games, but you know, doesn't have a ton of time to go super deep. And, uh, Alto's Odyssey got added to the app store as I was just finishing this. So I was able to get it into the book. So it was kind of this iterative process, but I, I mainly used, um, Ulysses as my writing platform. And, uh, the reason you do that is iBooks author makes beautiful books. I mean, if you look at these books, you'll, I think you'd agree that they're pretty nice, but it is not the place that you write. I mean, the app is kind of, it's got memory leaks and it sometimes crashes and it's just, just it's not the place that you do your writing in. So you always do, if you're going to make an iBooks author book, you write somewhere else and Ulysses just seemed like the natural fit here. 
So I was, uh, I was constantly writing in Ulysses and it, it's so much easier, Katie, than it used to be. I mean, when I think back to just in years past books I've written, um, now the integration between, you know, that Ulysses uses iCloud, I could open my phone, my iPad or my Mac at any time and everything was synced. I never lost a, a shred of data the whole time. And I was able to just keep writing. And you mentioned going from um, the OPML. To, do you want to tell people just very briefly what that is? Because if they haven't been following you for never, they might not know. Yeah. Uh, so you can, in in my node, you can export your mind map as an OPML file. And OPML is basically a open source format for outlines. You know, like uh, Omni Outliner uses it my node uses it. So the one of the ways I've always used it in the past is I'll switch between um, uh, Omni Outliner and my node. So I can, like, if I want to look at it as an outline, I'll use OPML to get it into Omni Outliner. If I want to go back to a kind of more hippie, touchy-feely mind map, then I'll send it back into my node. But you can also um, import it. And gosh, it's been so long. It's literally been years. I'm pretty sure I imported it right into OPML so I didn't have to retype it. And then it, it creates that same structure. So in mine, in I'm sorry, in Ulysses, the way it works is you've got these buckets and uh, you can put text in it. So I'll have like the primary bucket will be the iPhone field guide. And under that, there'll be a, another bucket that is like um, front matter, you know, which is the dedication and the, the acknowledgements and the stuff that you put in the front of a book. Then the next one will be chapter one, why I love the iPhone. Then the next one will be iOS tricks. And, you know, you just, you've got this long list of these chapters and inside that I would have individual buckets. Um, so, uh, let's say there's a word processor app in it, which sounds crazy, but the iPhone word pro there's a case to be made for word processing on the iPhone. So in that there was a, there was a separate bucket for Apple's pages and Microsoft word. And I think two or three other apps that I covered in there. So I started with this big pile of empty buckets and then every day I would just get up and say, okay, which buckets am I going to fill today? That makes sense. So it stayed into in Ulysses up until what point? The um, I, I do have a um, a copywriter kind of proofreader friend that that does work for me. So what I would do is I would be working in Ulysses until I got to a point that I was happy with it, and then I would uh, I take the text out. If I was on the Mac, I would uh, Control C copy the text out, and I would open the Grammarly app. You know, I have a we've talked about Grammarly in the last year on the show, and I'm I'm sold. So I have a subscription on my Mac. I can open the Grammarly app. Can, uh, command V to paste it in and Grammarly does the first kind of proofread for me. Can I just say, I love Grammarly. I love the service. I really wish they made it easier for it to integrate in with other apps and services. It it doesn't on the Mac. It, it has the Grammarly app on the Mac. On the PC, it will integrate with Outlook, although not real well, and it will integrate with Microsoft Office, but it doesn't do any of that on the Mac. I, I wish that they'd made you know, an easy way that you could integrate Grammarly with Ulysses or with Byword or with Apple Mail or, you know, any of those services. But I just, I, I don't know if it's too new or or what the deal is, but let's, can we get on that? Can, can someone get on that, please? Amen, sister. Uh, but either way, uh, so I would run it through the Grammarly app and then I would paste it after I did my Grammarly uh, run on it. 
um, then I would paste it back into Ulysses. So the text would temporarily leave and then come back. Now, are you writing us in Markdown? So are you pasting Markdown into Grammarly and then back into Ulysses or is it plain text or? No, with the iBooks, see the iBooks author, there's all these weird considerations going on. And one of the things I learned long ago with iBooks author is you don't put any formatting in iBooks author. (laughs) It just, uh, the app, it's very touchy. And if like, if I were to paste formatted text in it, uh, it might work or it might not work. What's even worse is when it works, but it embeds some error into the eventual book without you knowing it. And then you've got a 65,000 word book with a problem somewhere that's invisible to you. So you can only imagine how frustrating that can be. So I always am working in the plainest of plain text when I'm writing for these books. And, and I do all the formatting in iBooks author and I'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, so I've got the text. It's gone to Grammarly. It's gone back to Ulysses. I may cook on it some more. I may find something I want to change, but at some point, and the way I did it in this book is I need my proofreader to read it through for me. And, and I would just say the reason I ask that is because if you're copying just plain text from Ulysses into Grammarly and back, that makes things a lot simpler. Yeah, exactly. It's just to come. Yeah, because Ulysses has an export feature for this stuff, though. Just command C, command V is all I needed to get things back and forth. And in the past, I would put that text into a pages file and send it to my proofreader and she would track changes. However, I've been working with her now for, you know, five or six years. I have a really good feel about how she does my edits. I'm generally happy with them. And I caught myself over the last few years when she does edits for me is she sends me a document back. I just accept all changes. And then I read it again from top to bottom. So rather than checking her changes, I'm just checking the whole thing after she's made changes. So now I just do that. And in this case, we had, um, I use Trello. So uh, that's another app I've talked about on the show a lot over the, over the last year or so. It's a great app for collaboration And we have a Trello project related to the iPhone field guide. And when I get a chapter put together, I don't do it on individual components. I only do it when the chapter's done. I would send her a text file with a chapter via Trello. And then usually three or four days later, she would send me the text file back after she'd done her edit pass on it. Then I would, once again, paste it back into uh, Ulysses. So this text has just been moving around and I just make notes in Ulysses with tags as to what the status is. And once, once it's back from, from Leilani, I would um, go through and read the whole thing one more time. And sometimes she might make a little change here that I don't like. So I would change it back or, um, but you know, I would just kind of read it. And and at that point it's ready to go into iBooks author. And so that's when it just, you just copy and paste into iBooks author. Now, does that text get saved anywhere other than an iBooks author? Do you still keep the plain text anywhere for future changes or from now at this point forward, are you forever an iBooks author? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a simple process, but what I do is I, I paste the text into iBooks author and I paste it in as plain text. Like I said, no formatting. And then I do all all the formatting in iBooks author. I add links. I, you know, if there's text effects or whatever, you know, headings applied, all that stuff is done in iBooks author. Uh, I keep the text in Ulysses, but that is not the gospel version at this point, because as I, you know, you always find little things you change as you put in iBooks author. So my plan is, because I talked earlier in the show, I'm going to be doing updates on this book. Uh, we're going to get a new iPhone, you know, in 
we're going to get a new iPhone in September. And uh, so I'm going to put a, a release, uh, an update to the book. And I, I hate to be the guy that keeps qualifying this, but you know, I honestly, if I want the sales to be enough that this is gonna be a lot of work. So if nobody buys it, then I'm not going to bother because I don't want to do this for 10 people. But assuming that the book goes well, and I, I'm sure it will, um, I'm going to, what I'll do is I will take the text out of that chapter in the book. I'll literally just copy the text out of that chapter in the book, paste it in Ulysses as it was in the book. So basically overwrite Ulysses, make all my changes, and then go through the same process again. And I'll treat the, that section of that's getting updated as if it's brand new. It'll get brand new links. I'll have to redo some work. But that, I think, is the most efficient way to do it. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it'll work. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Smart underwear for smart guys. Get 20% off your first order with the code MPU. Well, gang, it took 427 episodes, but we got there. Today we're talking about my underwear. We've got a brand new sponsor to the Mac Power Users, Mac Weldon, which makes great underwear. Totally changed my underwear game. Mack Weldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you'll ever wear. For way too long, I was in the tidy whitey club, but no longer. Now I am a Mack Weldon person. Frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, and they're so confident of this, they have a no-questions-asked return policy. Mack Weldon is sure you're going to be comfortable in whatever you buy, so if for any reason you don't like your first pair... Just keep them, and they'll refund you, no questions asked. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. What I love about the Mack Weldon stuff is the way they cover the little details. The undershirts stay tucked, the socks stay up, and the waistbands don't roll. Everything they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers, and their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't waste your time. To be honest, I never thought much about underwear up until the time they sponsored the show, and now I'm totally down with Mack Weldon. They gave me some free stuff to try out for the sponsorship, but I'm already going in and ordering more. This stuff is great. The reason I like it so much is that it's just so comfortable. It's way better than the underwear I've been buying in the past from the big box stores. And honestly, with their easy online ordering process, it's a lot faster. Click a few buttons, and your underwear shows up at your door. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, which is good. And there's some other cool science stuff in their clothes. But the bottom line is it looks nice and it's really comfortable. Not only do they make underwear, they make socks and shirts too. And it's all great. Because they're new to the Mac Power users, they've got a deal for you. Listeners to the show can get 20% off their first order at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com with the code MPU. Why don't you upgrade your underwear at MacWeldon.com? All right, David, let's talk a little bit about iBooks Author. That is a platform that hasn't um, that I know you use extensively. We'll talk a little bit about kind of what's been going on with, with iBooks Author. But let's start first with why are you still using iBooks Author? Is have you looked at other options? Is is this still the thing to use? Good question. <laughs> I don't. Uh, someone just wrote me an email asking what they should do their next book in, and I wrote them back saying, "Frankly, I'm not sure." The um, I it really depends on what you're doing. I, iBooks Author was perfect for me, especially on this book because 
Um, I wanted a book that looks beautiful and has media embedded in it. And there really isn't anything better, in, in my opinion, uh, than iBooks author for that. There's just a ton of tools that they've added that just don't exist under the EPUB format even. And, and I want to talk about EPUB later because iBooks author isn't going to be the format I use for all of my future books. But for this book, it made perfect sense. Uh, not only did I want all those tools, I also wanted a book that could could transform itself into more of a scrolling t- type book on the iPhone. You know, because it's a book about the iPhone, this iBooks author was really the only place this book could have ever been written in. Uh, I, I would almost go as far to say that if iBooks author didn't exist, I don't think I would have written this book because uh, I, d- I don't want to make a book about the iPhone that you can't read on the iPhone. It just It just didn't make sense to me. I know that Serenity Caldwell especially has talked about EPUBs and, and those types of things. Have you have you explored those options or, or what they look like? Yeah, I have. And um, I'm actually kind of excited about it. Um, can I get to that in a minute, though? Because I kind of want to finish the discussion about iBooks Author. Because uh, um, with iBooks Author... It, it is a it's a love hate relationship for an author because uh, to to fully appreciate what I'm about to say about EPUB later, I need to kind of explain iBooks Author. It, it's an app that like sometimes you resize the screen and it crashes. You know, and, so it hasn't had a ton of TLC. And and there's like a lot of weird stuff in it. Like when you like I talked earlier about I don't do any formatting to the text until I put it into iBooks Author, and and people have asked me why don't you write a book about how to use iBooks Author because it's just such a weird set of hacks that nobody would ever believe it. But the, like, for instance, when you add a link to text in iBooks Author, in every application on the Mac, there's a shortcut for that. Command K. If you're in email, hit Command K and it opens up the link button. If you're in pages, hit Command K. It's just the, it's second nature to anybody that puts a lot of links in things. But in iBooks Author, that shortcut was never added. So in order to add a link to text, you have to go and open an inspector panel, which itself is a very old paradigm for user interface. I mean, it hasn't been in, in the iWork suite for a long time. And then you have to find the tab with the links, then you have to push the button. I mean, there's like seven mouse clicks involved with adding a link where Command K does it in pages. So there's all this weird stuff. Another thing about it that's odd is um, if you read the book on iPad or Mac, there's a bunch of buttons in the book. Like there'll be a button, like if you want to go to the um, App Store, if you see an app you really like, there's a button in there. It's a little circle that says App Store and you tap it. It opens up the... um, the app store link to that app. So you can go straight to the app store from the book. Um, okay. There is no way to do that in iBooks author. Uh, there, you can't attach a link to a graphic object, you know? So the way I do that, this is another like goofy thing I do is for every button in that book. First, I made the button that said app store. And then I dropped in a text object. Um, and I put in the letter um, O capital O and then I and then I adjust the font to make the capital O 64 points, which is about the size of the circle graphic. And then I um, select the, the letter O and I attach a link to it because you can attach a link to text. You just can't attach it to an object. So I put the hyperlink to the App Store on the letter O and then I turn the transparency to zero. So I make it a transparent letter O. So there's literally a text box on top of every button in the book. And that's the way buttons work. 
So, so think about every button in the book. Uh, for the book is four hundred and fifty pages. By the way, I didn't mention that earlier. <laughs> Everyone has a transparent O on top of it to make a link. So there's this like all this crazy stuff you go through. So you can you can understand the frustration with this. And then as you get towards the end, um, when you start loading two gigabytes of video into it, and and granted, in all fairness to Apple, I don't think they expected someone to write a four hundred and fifty page book with, you know, 50 some videos and two hours of video in, in this app. So I'm pushing the limits. I acknowledge that. But at the end, like you want to make a little change. And sometimes you want to hit command save almost after every word you change, because you just don't know when the thing's going to blow up on you. Now, with all that frustration stated, it's an amazing platform and it makes a book that looks beautiful. I mean, for the user, it doesn't matter because you guys don't have to deal with any of that stuff. You buy the book, it works flawlessly. You don't know that I had to make an invisible uh, letter O every time I put a link in the book, you know. Um, but that, so that's the weird thing as somebody who's worked with this a lot is it's a hard tool to work with and it makes an amazing product. And now Apple is saying, um, they haven't said that they're abandoning iBooks author. In fact, I specifically asked, and and I think at least the iBooks format is fine. Like these books are going to be fine for years, and and I think actually I'm going to be able to update this book through iBooks author for years and not have a problem. But clearly, the wind is blowing the direction of EPUB. All right. Well, let's let's talk about that just a little bit because you know Apple had this education event uh, last month, this month, earlier this month, recently. I don't know when the show is publishing. Um, and said that I think they said nothing about iBooks author and then said, well, now Pages users, including Pages on iOS, I think users are going to be able to make iBooks too. And Serenity Caldwell actually had to go back and get some clarification from them as to what's going on with iBooks author. And I got to say, David, I was a little afraid for you because at this point, I think you had told me you were all but finished with the book. Like it was imminently to be released, but you hadn't released it yet. And I just thought, oh my gosh, is he going to be able to release it with iBooks author? What's going on? Is this, is this all for naught? What's happening here? Yeah. At, at that point I had released the beta version to my beta tester. Right. Already. Right. Like it was, it was done pretty much. Well, I, I don't think Apple's not going to pull the rug out that way. I mean, it's, it's a great, I mean, the dot iBooks format is basically the EPUB format with some extra sauce and, and I don't think, as I understand it, it's not a big deal for them to support that. I think the question is, do they want to spend a bunch of engineering time on continuing to make, you know, iBooks author better? Or are they going to try and just fold that stuff into pages? Um, so where where they stand is this. They, they haven't said a whole lot publicly. I got some confirmation. So did Serenity. Um, we're good with iBooks author. It's not going away. Um I, but they have never given it a lot of engineering love. Just like I was talking about earlier, it's got an inspector panel. I mean, I think it's the only Apple app left that has an inspector panel because all the other ones have moved to this kind of new paradigm. And I, I think it's going to linger for years I, or maybe less than years. I don't know, but it's, it's going to linger for a while. Um, I think it's fine uh, for me because I've got, you know, I've got this book out about the iPhone that needs the kind of power that iBooks author has. And I don't think I'm going to have a problem with it, but I think kind of going forward, I'm going to be looking very seriously at the EPUB format. In fact, uh, one of the books, I've got a secret title I'm working on right now that'll come out in a couple months. I think it's, I've been working on that one really hard. Uh, but once I finish that one, 
I've already laid out, um, I'm going to do a second edition of the paperless book. You know, paperless book is now five years old and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's changed and it's going to take me months to get that book fixed up and ready to go. So I'm, it's going to be a new purchase. And that book is going to be an EPUB book. It's already in pages and it's looking great. All right. So let's talk about what happens with um, iBooks author books versus pages books. What's the difference? Can you say, have you played enough with it to know? Yeah. Um, I mean, iBooks author books, uh, iBooks author produces a book in the format of dot iBooks, which is an Apple proprietary format. And, and the only thing that you can read that book on is a Mac, an iPhone or an iPad, correct? Yes. Okay. And, and it's got, it, frankly, it's got more bells and whistles. You know, there's more you can do with it um, with iBooks author than you can with pages. Uh, the, the feature set on a pages book and pages produces a book that's in the EPUB three format, which is an open standard format. And, and that doesn't have as many bells and whistles, but the bells and whistles it does have are more stable. You know, like I can embed video in it. I can put a picture gallery in it. I can do links. I can do a fixed format book. I cannot do an iPhone field guide type book where it changes to that scrolling view the same way. They do have a scrolling method, but you, you have to choose one or the other. And I would uh, not want to do, I would, I would not want to do that for uh, a book like the iPhone field guide. Cause I want the book to be pretty, you know, I mean, generally I like to create a layout of the books where it's fun to read the book and turn the pages and see what's going to be on the next page and make it colorful. And uh, with pages generated books, like, like the uh, paperless two, uh, uh, field guide is going to be fixed format. It's not going to have that scrolling view because pages doesn't support it uh, in the way that I need it to. So, but it's going to be a beautiful book. And I think that's more important. So other than some of the scrolling features, I mean, you can still do videos, you can still do images. Um, it's still going to be pretty, I would imagine, because you're making it in pages. It's, it's, it's way more stable. I mean, I've already got like, I've already got, I think, about 30, 30 hours in the paperless, too, and it, it's looking great already. I mean, um, it, the, you know, the, the the workflow, when we talk about that book, when it comes out, hopefully later this year, it's going to be a lot easier. I can tell you already because uh, I've got a pages book. Now I'm uh, I'm collaborating the book with my copy editor and she just goes in pages and does the changes right there and track changes it. The, the text never leaves the book which is crazy. I mean, I've never written a book this way and it's, it's just kind of fun. Now you're actually writing the text. You so say you're writing the text in pages too. You're not writing it in Ulysses and pasting it in. Okay. No, no, I'm just decided heck with it. I'm just going to write the whole thing in pages. I mean, pages has got powerful enough tools. I'm backing up like a madman because you know, this is kind of a big deal and I'm not embedding all the video right now. In fact, I'm going to reshoot the, like for the paperless two book, there's not going to be a single screencast from the old one. Everything gets reshot. And so, and that stuff always waits until the end because, you know, you don't do screencasts about an app and then hold on to it for six months because they'll all change. You know, the books, the app developers don't stand still. But anyway, it's a, uh, there's, there's some other nice things about this new uh, world with the EPUB. Um, the EPUB is an open format. I could sell the EPUB file directly on my website. And people can get it anywhere. You know, we talked earlier about how I need to do the iPhone field guide into a PDF version to accommodate people that live in places that don't have an iBook store. Well, with the uh, paperless too, I, I guess I'm telling everybody a lot of information about my future products here, but whatever. Um, with paperless too, I'll be able to just sell the EPUB. So no matter where you live, you can buy it 
directly from me and uh, and install it. But I can also put it in the iBook store if that's what you prefer. I think I could put it even in Amazon if I wanted to. But the research I've been doing says Amazon still charges premiums if you put extra um, data in the book. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, it, it's, it, it was pretty exorbitant the last time I looked at the pricing. One of the decisions I'll have to make is uh, maybe I don't have to worry about the two gigabyte. What if I want to make a three gigabyte version of the paperless field guide? And it would just mean I can't sell it on the iBookstore, but it would mean that I could have the book as big and as long as I needed it to be. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm still trying to figure out with this. Well, and how do those things even translate to a Kindle? I mean, does it even make sense to put something like that in Amazon? I mean, yeah, you could read it on an iPad, but you're not going to be able to read something like that with e-ink. Yeah, well, like the Fire would be the the target, the Kindle Fire, which is would support multimedia. But because everything I write about um, in the technology world, at least, is is really Apple focused, I I don't really care that much about dealing with Amazon because I think the people that buy my stuff are going to be um, looking for it on in Apple related stores. Yeah, I mean, paperless might have a little wider audience, but no. But so, so the, the world is interesting for me right now. Um, iBooks author has not been killed. I, I don't think it, frankly, is going to be killed. I think it's going to linger for a while. I, I think the dot iBooks format is fine for the foreseeable future. Um, and I'm glad of that because I want to continue to support the iPhone field guide as an iBooks author book because it, it's better that way. Um, uh, future titles, though, I'll have to make a decision. I mean, the the, the weird thing about the I, iPhone field guide is is it needs to be supported on the iPhone. The future books that are not about the iPhone don't need that as much. So I can that gives me more freedom to decide a different format. How does does iBooks automatically take care of? I, I would imagine so. All the different screen formats that we have because the screens are different. All I mean, not just different physical sizes, but different proportions. Yeah, I mean, it, it It handles all that. I mean, it's I don't have to deal with that. I, I make one layout of the book, and you see it on whichever device you use. Yeah, it's, it's all taken care of. I mean, that's I mean, there's so much. I was kind of critical of iBooks earlier in the show, but there's so much that it does that's great. And, and the platform, it's like Apple distributes a book for me that's two gigabytes. They handle all the bandwidth. And they do, you know, granted, they get 30% of every sale. But you know what? It's okay because they do a lot for me. And, you know, the iBooks author team, you, you hear all these stories about Apple, you know, being difficult for developers. The people in iBooks are super friendly and really try to help. One, I had a problem with the iPhone field guide uh, where it wasn't checking through, you know, as I was trying to get it published, there was a hang up. And I would upload the book to Apple and they would get an internal error and nobody could figure out what it was, you know, and I was scared that it was going to be one of those weird text things where I had text on some page that had some formatting thing that got into the book and and corrupted it. But it turned out to be there was one image on the book that had some kind of um, thing that failed their check. And somebody from iBooks, you know, wrote me an email and said on page so so and so there's one image that's bad. Just take that image out um, because it's causing a an error in our system. And as soon as I did, I re-uploaded it. And like within an hour, they correct, they, uh, they checked and, and let me know that it was fine then that it got through their, their check. So, I mean, it's just like that kind of like customer service for others is, is pretty impressive. I don't think I'd get that with, uh, with Amazon. Do you worry about iBooks author 
um, in, in the future? I mean, you've talked about how it's a little buggy, how it crashes a lot, how you feel like you have to save after every word. And they've kind of maybe forecasted a little bit that um, pages is where things are going in the future. I mean, do you think your future books are going to be all in pages? If I hadn't, as soon as this whole education thing went down, I spent a whole weekend working with pages and testing the limits and, and making video based EPUBs in it. And I was very happy with the experience of writing there. And, and the result I think is just fine. So, um, I, I'm not, I feel a lot better about it after having spent time in it than I did before. Um, I, I guess the, the books, uh, one concern I could have is the previous books I've written that are published in the iBooks format, you know, will they be continue to be supported when I'm hearing from Apple is, is they will. So that's good news. But to be honest with you, having spent time now with pages and looking at some of the advantages of doing this open format EPUB books, I expect nearly all of my future books are going to be going over to EPUB. And so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, the one, I guess, concern I have is with the iPhone field guide, because I want to continue to use iPhone field guide, uh, with the iBooks format, because of all those advantages I talked about earlier, I hope that it continues to be supported on that. But, you know, if suddenly, if this book is successful and they said, we're going to stop doing that, I would just spend the time to get the book switched over to EPUB format. I, I, I know how to do it. Well, I was going to ask you, is there a conversion process? I mean, can you convert from iBooks author to two pages and maybe lose some features or would you just, you know, manually copy paste, move things over? Um, a little of both, frankly, but, but it wouldn't be quite as good for the iPhone users because that scrolling view thing would have to go away. And I, I don't want that to happen, but the, 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 you know, I don't, I don't think that's really an issue. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked to some of the folks at Apple and, and they've, Apple, you know, they're, they're very, um, they don't want to, I don't want them to get fired. Right. And they, they're very careful about what they say and they don't say, but what they told me is you're fine. You know, don't worry about it. You're fine. So, uh, I think I'm going to be fine with this. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by SaneBox. Get a 14-day free trial and receive a $25 credit on any plan by visiting SaneBox.com MPU. So SaneBox is one of my favorite tools for productivity. In fact, I can't imagine using my email anymore without SaneBox, and I'm not alone. More than 60% of Mac Power users listeners who have tried SaneBox has ended up subscribing. So there's a pretty good chance that you'll love SaneBox too. SaneBox works by learning what email is important to you and filters out what isn't. It saves you hours of time. Best of all, SaneBox works with all kinds of email programs and services. You don't have to have a special app. No matter what app you use, no matter who your email provider is, SaneBox just works. And it is great email filtering. You start off with a Sane Later folder. What that folder is going to do, it's going to keep in your inbox only what matters and filter everything out so you can deal with it later. There's also a great feature called the same black hole. So if you've got something you're getting an email from that you never want to hear from again, no problem. Toss them in there and you can unsubscribe from anything with one click. What really makes SaneBox for me is the snooze and reminders features. Snooze is great for deferring emails that you just don't want to deal with right now, but you don't want to forget about yet. You can defer emails until maybe the next business day or maybe the weekend when you've got more time. And if you send an email to someone, but you want to make absolutely sure that you follow up if you don't get a reply, 
Don't forget to CC that email or BCC it to maybe one week at SaneBox.com. And if your receiver doesn't reply, well, you'll get a reminder from SaneBox in one week to follow up. And you can pick any time you want. You can pick May 15th. You can pick one week. You can pick two days, whatever you want to do. And SaneBox does a whole lot more than we have time to talk about in this spot. It can do filtering. It can save your attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services. You can set it up so your assistant can help you filter your email. It does a whole lot more. There are various pricing and plans. They start as low as $4 a month. And you can start learning about SaneBox today with their free trial. So head over to SaneBox.com MPU. Start your free trial and receive a $25 credit when you decide to sign up for a SaneBox plan. So, David, a big part of this book are the videos. I mean, um, they they are field guides, but they have a lot of videos. I think you said they have more videos than, uh, is it fair to say, more more video footage than a major Star Wars movie, maybe? Except the last one. Except the last, the last one. one. It was yeah. long. Maybe a little too long. We could have cut out some of that Canto Bite stuff, I think, a little bit. I just rewatched I'm not going to argue with you on that. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you on I that. Mean, have was... you watched the extras, though? The extras are really good. I did watch. I did watch. I got the iTunes version, and I watched some of the extras. And honestly, some of the stuff that they cut, I wish they'd put that in instead of some of the other stuff. Well, I am. I, um, I, you know, my biggest complaint about the movie just to take a, a just brief, to take a slight detour, yes. Uh, I mean, there there were some changes made, and that's fine. Star Wars needs to evolve, just like Star Trek, and I'm fine with all that. The one thing is, I grew up with Luke Skywalker as a hero, and I felt like the way they treated the character in the movie didn't make sense to me, and it, it felt like it was a little bit belittling of the character. And you'll never convince me that that was really worth it the way they did it. But other than that, it was a good movie. I'm not. I'm not trying to drag it through, but it's not like the prequels were. The prequels had a visceral reaction to. It's nothing like that. But I, I feel like they could have treated Luke a little better. I, I well, see what I think is I think they spent so much money and so much time and so much effort on the Canto bite scenes with all the aliens and all the you know all that that they couldn't cut it. They were like, no, this is where we put all of our money, and it was like, all right, well now you're stuck with it. Yeah, I, I believe I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Anyway, videos back to, to screencasting and the uh, the book. There are a lot of videos in this book, almost almost as much as a, a full length Star Wars movie, but not quite. Um, how much time do you spend screencasting these, and how do you do that now from from the iPhone? Uh, does that change now? Now that we've got the easy ability to capture from the iPhone. The general rule of thumb for a screencast, and I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I feel like this is a fair estimate, is it's about one hour per minute of recorded screen time. And that may sound silly, but it really is about right. Because, like, you've got to set up the screen to be recorded. Like, if I'm going to have something on address book, I can't just have it open to my client list. I got to have it, you know, dummy address information in. And then you've got to shoot the video and then you've got to edit the video. And it just takes time to do this stuff. So in terms of time you take, you've got to figure about an hour per minute. Um, the um, the way I shoot them, I still primarily use ScreenFlow. If you are at home thinking about doing any kind of screencasting, whether it's on your Mac or iOS device, there's just nothing better than ScreenFlow, in my opinion. It's just an amazing app, super stable, super powerful. Like even just exporting it to a format that would work on the phone, ScreenFlow handled most of that for me. It's I'm using an export format that's roughly, I think it was 50% of the iPhone 10 screen. So I would shoot it natively on the iPhone 10, but then I would um, 
export it like at half res. And that, that allowed me to like quadruple the amount of video time I put in the, in the book. But that wasn't any real hard thing for me because ScreenFlow took care of that for me. Uh, occasionally I would do some videos that were, uh, with the new screen capture feature in iOS 11. Uh, like I did a, a comparison video in there. Uh, we drove to Disneyland. That was one of the trips, you know, for the, and I, I shot video, uh, using the, that capture feature uh, comparing Google maps to Apple maps as we were making the trip and how it was giving me information and, where it was showing off ramps and like, you know, lane guidance and all the various features you've got. Um, so I shot that video. I obviously didn't have it connected to my Mac at the time. So I just used the screen capture for that. And it ended up to being like, I think like a 20 minute long video. And then I edited it down and then I did voiceover back at home using ScreenFlow. you know, once I got that done, but largely I used it with a copper cable uh, connecting ScreenFlow to my iPhone. And then, you know, one of the things that strikes me is on the Mac, when you do all these screencasts, like I guess when you're screencasting a Mac or a Mac screen, a lot of times what people will do is they'll just set up spare user accounts, you know, because, oh, I can just, this is my screencasting account. This is the account that has all my dummy data. This is the account that has a neutral background. This is the account that I don't have to worry about, you know, accidentally showing something. You can't do that on the iPhone. Do you ever think about having a a dummy iPhone to use for these purposes, or is that not even more than? I think that's getting too precious. I, so I'm, I'm careful. I mean, there are a couple screencasts in the book where you'll see like when I'm showing you how to do settings or something and it'll open to my iCloud account and you'll see that there's data that's either grayed out or there's just like a white box. What I'll do is I'll draw like a box over my personal account information and then I'll just color match it to the actual background. So it looked like there's an empty field. And all I did was just draw a box and screen flow over the important data. There's other times where I'll gray it out where you look at, make it look blurry. It just kind of depends on the video that you're doing. Um, so I, I'm careful about that. I'll, obviously in editing, I'm always watching for something like that coming across, but it, I don't think that it's necessary to get like a separate phone, um, and also, honestly, I want people to see how I use the apps because that's half the story. You know, it's, you know, when he opens this app, what are the settings he has installed? And if you just have a dummy phone with the apps installed that you haven't been using on a daily basis, it's not going to have any of that stuff in it. How do you um, how do you decide exactly which phone you're going to use? And I don't mean like which which phone, but. Do you just use the iPhone 10 for all of your screencasting because that's the latest and greatest phone? Or do you maybe use an iPhone 7 or 8 because maybe that's a, a more accepted phone? No, I decided early that I was going to shoot it with the latest and greatest. So I, I shot all of, almost all the videos are shot on iPhone 10. Yeah, that, that notch changes things, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a little bit. Um, I, I wanted, I did a bunch of tests. Like one of the things I wanted at some point I because the videos, if you look at the book, the videos are just this rectangle and the phone isn't drawn on top of the videos. And the reason I did that is because once again, it was an accommodation to the scrolling view. If you put the notch in, if you put an image of the phone on top of the video, then it caused a whole bunch of problems for people that wanted to watch the videos on their phone. And I was always conscious of the fact that people are going to buy this book and want to consume it on their phone. And so I had to make accommodations for that. Whereas screenshots in the book, static screenshots all have a nice iPhone frame around them. And the way you do that in iBooks author is you, 
you first you import the screenshot, then you import a frame of the phone, and then you overlay the phone on top of the screenshot, and then you you group them into one image. So it, it, there's a couple steps you go through. but uh, And the final product, if you look at the book, it looks beautiful. It's got this kind of nice-looking iPhone 10, and it's got a, um, I'm sorry, yeah, iPhone, yeah, you call it iPhone 10, right? Yeah, you got confused for a minute, didn't you? I did. I had to stop and think about it. Yes, iPhone 10, and because um, I keep talking to people, call it the iPhone X. but And then it's got the screenshot, and it, it looks great. Um, then there's also screenshot galleries where, in some apps, I had a bunch of screenshots I wanted to share because of one reason or another. And those you can't put a frame around either for the exact same reason you can't put frames around video. It, would look, it wouldn't work when you want to look at those galleries on your phone. So it's always this challenge of how do you import the media into the book in a way that, that suits the reader. There's a ton of little decisions to be made. It's kind of fun. Um, it reminds me of when I talk to my app developer friends and they talk about all the time they spend on user interface elements and trying to figure it out. Um, these these media-rich books has a lot of that kind of stuff going on behind the scenes as you're trying to get it put together to make it a good experience for people. And then what about the still images? I know we spend a lot of time on screencasting, but still images, are those just straight screenshots? Do you do anything with them or... Uh, largely they're just straight screenshots. You know, I, I didn't do a lot of edits on those. And then how do you deal with all these screenshots on your phone? I mean, you must have a gazillion screenshots. Yeah. Uh, well, I was, yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a folder on iCloud that has the iPhone field guide name attached to it. And inside there's a bunch of subfolders to organize it. Like I have, uh, one of the subfolders is, is screenshots and then by chapter I would save them. And Apple made it a lot easier now that we've got iOS 11. So if you take a series of screenshots, it groups them and gives you that sharing icon button as you shoot them. So what I would do is just uh, hit the sharing icon and then go and I would save it directly to open the files app using iCloud. You can you can navigate directly to that folder so I could save them to the cloud storage uh, right from the moment I shot the screens. And then you could delete them and you didn't even have to look at them. So I, I didn't really end up with that many in my camera roll. And then when do you do the screenshot and when do you do the uh, screencasting? The screencasting takes so long, you must do it all the way through. But then what happens if there's a major uh, update and, and you've just got to reshoot them? No. So I, I, I take the screenshots towards the very end uh, for that reason. And honestly, the all of the screencasts were recorded... Um, I would say starting about mid-January to maybe early February is when I started doing it in earnest. So almost all of the screencasting is done at the end. I, I spend as much time as possible writing the words. And, you know, it takes a while to write 65,000 words, good ones at least. And, um, and then I started getting the book laid out. I did get some help on that. I guess I should talk about that in a minute. But the, um, I, uh, but once I kind of had that managed, then I just went into full on production mode with screencasts and screenshots. And I spent days and days, you know, just sitting here recording screencasts. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Check out the new 1Password for business and secure your business. Since 2015, over 30,000 businesses have signed up for 1Password teams and discovered how 1Password can help them be secure while also increasing their productivity. 
The team at 1Password has learned a lot about how to help businesses manage passwords in that time, and they've got a brand new product I want to share with you called 1Password for Businesses. With 1Password for Business, you can control what everyone sees and shares and easily delegate management roles in your 1Password databases. It also gives you reporting. You can get comprehensive usage reports to see how your employees are using 1Password at work. If you've got somebody that's not using 1Password, this is the place you'll find out, and hopefully you'll be able to protect yourself better. And perhaps best of all, they've made it a lot easier to set it up. You can now onboard 50 or 50,000 employees. However you provision, 1Password has the integration tools you'll need. Whether you're running a small business or a big business, protecting your password in today's environment is super important. Nobody wants to get the email from someone that says they've just hijacked your internal hard drive and they want you to write them a big check or send them Bitcoin in order for them to unlock it. Likewise, nobody wants to be the person to let bad guys into your internal business data. Having a manageable password protection system in your office is just as important as having locks on the doors. In today's world, maybe it's more important. 1Password knows that if you have security software you don't enjoy using, you won't use it. And this goes particularly for your employees. They know that everyone will love using 1Password, so that makes using strong passwords easier. So why not spread better security practices throughout your office and company? When everyone uses 1Password, risks go down and productivity goes up. 1Password for Businesses is a great new product from the team at 1Password. To learn more, head over to... 1Password.com slash business. And if you want to sign up for 1Password, head over to 1Password.com slash MPU in all caps and you'll get 20% off. Your security is too important not to take this seriously. Go protect yourself with 1Password and let them know you came from the Mac Power Users. All right, so I want to... Um wrap up a few few odds and ends one of the you know the this book like many um is beautiful tell me a little bit about the the cover and the artwork that you use so the covers that i did with the original couple iphone field guides i'm sorry with the original max sparky field guides darren rolf helped me with the first one i the whole idea of the field guide to me it kind of like harkens back to indiana jones did you ever see the uh, third indiana jones movie that's the one with sean connery yeah, the Ark of the Covenant. They, the, the dad has this little book that he's got all his, his notes in it for the Ark. I want these books to be like that version. You know, it's your little book on paperless or the iPhone or whatever. It's got all your notes. So I kind of, and and I like use antique pictures and it's just kind of fun. The dichotomy of a technology book that's that feels like a field guide, you know, if, if that makes sense. So the first couple covers, my idea was, you know, something like a leather bound book. And, and Darren did a good job executing that. The, um, when I got around to doing the, um, the field guide for, uh, presentations, um, Graham Jung helped me do the cover for that. And I really like the cover for the presentations book. It's, it's a lot, uh, it's a, it's a little flatter, I guess, for lack of a better word, but I just like the look of it. And, um, uh, so I decided when that book came out that going forward, all the books are going to get covers like that, uh, for the foreseeable future. So for instance, like the paperless two, the cover is already actually pretty close to being done, even though that book is months and months away. And it's, it follows the same theme as, as presentations in the iPhone field guide. And I did a bunch of it uh, in OmniGraffle <laughs> because it's, it's a tool I have. I mean, it's kind of weird because um, 
they're sometimes sponsor the show, but I mean, that's the app that I use to make the cover. And so I, you know, I, I get a good color scheme and then the color scheme is repeated throughout the book. If you look at the colors on the cover and you look at the colors in the artwork and the book and the links, even the buttons, the little buy now buttons that all that stuff is, is uh, done with a plan. And did you come up with the color scheme or, or did your um, designer do that? On this one, Graham gave me a couple and I chose um, on, on the paperless book. I just went ahead and picked cause I knew I already had a pretty good idea where I was going with that one. Um, but but it's, you know, it's, it's a nice color scheme. I think it came out really good. And then what about the, um, the non-screenshots, non-screencasts for the book, the, the assets for the book, the images, uh, things that, that weren't, you know, icons and those types of things. Where, where did all the images come from? Largely deposit photos. It's, it's the image resource I've been using for years. And there's other ones out there. And, but this is the one I have the, I've had an account with them for a long time. I said you, you started talking about uh, taking your own pictures for the book. How, how, when do you decide when are you going to take a picture versus when are you going to use a stock photo? I, I prefer my own pictures where it makes sense. But like if I want an old picture of a chisel, I don't really have one. So sounds like a good reason to buy a chisel. Yeah, I, I've got so I've got a mixture of those pictures in there. But and honestly, there's not that much stock art type photos in this book because I really wanted the iPhone to be the star of this book. So like on most chapters, like on the, the cover sheet of a chapter, um, you'd be tempted to get something clever from a, an art image website. But you're better off, I think, putting on a screenshot of something on the iPhone. It's something that helps convey information to the reader about how they can use their iPhone and having clever artwork. So this book doesn't have as many of those pictures in it as some of the other ones do. Well, I saw there were several images of chocolate chip cookies in your book. Always, because I love chocolate chip cookies. Never oatmeal, always chocolate. I know, because isn't that just the worst thing in the world when you pick up a cookie thinking it's chocolate chip and you bite into it and it's oatmeal? That is the worst. I know. The worst. That's horrible. Um... But I couldn't help but no, just wonder, like, do you, were you just like, oh, I'm sorry, we got to, we, that, that, those didn't turn out. We need to make more cookies. I'm sorry. No, that one's not quite right. Need to make more cookies. I mean, was that just what was going on in the Sparks house all the time for the last few months? Well, like in the, in the acknowledgement part of the book, there's a stack of cookies and that's actually an image I bought. But, and I, I don't remember which chapter, there's some chapter in it where. No, there's, there's chapters where they're like plates of cookies that are clearly homemade. My my daughter has been going through this cookie phase where she's trying to make the perfect chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I got a recipe for you. I got I make great chocolate chip cookies. Oh, we have to send it through. But the it, I you know I'm trying to lose weight, and there's these fresh cookies here all the time. So I take pictures of them sometimes instead of eating them. But but uh, yeah, uh, there's also a Yoda picture in front of the fireplace that I was I saw that proud of. I was like I I think that's uh, I think that's genuine. I think that's legit. Yeah, that's the floor of my family room <laughs> on a cold night. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, you feature a lot of apps in this book. How did you go through the process of deciding which apps to use? It was rough. I mean, that's one of the reasons why this book t took so long, because I had I had apps that I knew I liked, but I didn't want to make it just the apps I use all the time. I wanted to go out and find you know better ones sometimes and. And uh, and put as many options that made sense. Uh, the idea behind the book is that everything in the book is a good app. I, I, I'm not writing about the 
the turds because you don't, you know, who cares, right? So uh, if you're reading my book, I want you to be able to pick through good ones, not, you know, between good and bad ones. And so that, that was kind of the vetting process I went through. Like I, I did a chapter on habit tracking apps, which is a great platform for the iPhone. Uh, I was, I just recently went through my phone, iPhone and I had something like 12 habit tracking apps. You know, I just bought them all and I only, I ended up only writing about two, but I had all of them on there. So, you know, I'm doing all these, you know, testing. It's, that's one of the, like I said, one of the reasons the book took so long is I'd had to put all these apps on and then try them out for a month or so to see what worked and what didn't. Talk a little bit about the beta testing process. I know that you had a couple of people out there reading your book. Did how how does that work? Yeah, I you know this book was such a monster that I knew there was inevitably going to be some typos, and of course there were. As far as I know, right now I think there's one bad link in the book, and then there's one there's one page that didn't. It's page I think seventy two that just didn't. Something went wrong with the render, whereas it looks okay in iBooks Author, but the the file that that Apple's distributing has an extra image on it, so it throws the text off. So I, it's like there's little things like that. But I was sending builds out to friends. You know, you were on the list. Rose is on the list from the Facebook group, and some of our other friends are on. Uh, you know, a relatively small list of people that were all reading the book for me and giving me feedback. And uh, the best way to track that is I just made a Google Doc, and people were putting notes in the Google Doc, and I would fix things that they found. Very nice of them, all of them. And you also outsourced a lot of the work on this book. I think a little more than you have in the past. What changed here? Um, you know, I I didn't outsource. In the end, I didn't really outsource as much as I thought I would. I The idea was um, Leilani's been kind of my proofreader for years, and she's really great, and she's really smart. So I thought, well, I'll just have her lay the book out as well. And then, um, but... I'm too particular about the way it is. And, and iBooks author is something that you can't just hand off to somebody. You've got to really have a really thorough understanding of how the app works. So ultimately what I did was between Leilani and my daughter is I had them doing the initial text import on several chapters and just doing some of that, like that goofy link stuff with the capital O and, you know, some of the just kind of the mechanical stuff. But the actual layout stuff was all done by me in the end of the day. Well, overall, are you happy? I think you should be happy. Oh, no, I'm, I'm really proud of this book. I, I, this is a book that honestly, a few times I thought was never going to get made, <laughs> you know, as I was making, it, I'm like, what have I done here with this? And, uh, it was just a, an incredible amount of work to kind of get the information together. I know that, you know, some people look at it and say, well, it doesn't go super deep on any topic, but it's still quite a project to kind of collect all this together and put it together in a, a usable format. So it, it was many, many hours getting it done. And it always feels good to, to make something and put out in the world. It, it's a weird feeling for me because I, you know, I'm a lawyer. I help people solve their problems every day. I'm, it's an important job, but the, the good feels I get from making these books are just so much bigger. I, I can't really explain it, but it, it's a, uh, you know, when I get that email from someone saying, my mom now can use her iPhone, thanks for your book, you know, and stuff like that, it just, I don't know, it really touches me. Well, I don't think it's that different because I still think you're helping people every day and you don't even know it because they're, you're helping them with their technology and you have no idea. 
Yeah. And, and I'm just so proud of the books too. I, I feel like, you know, you life is short and as you get to the end someday you're going to look back and what are the things that you're real proud of and this will be definitely you know these books that i've made are are something truly special i just i've never seen anything like them i feel like i've been kind of privileged to be able to make them and share them and uh i really feel like i'm kind of on the cutting edge of this multimedia something books that that are out there well, I think you are. I have not seen anything like your iBooks author books. I know Apple introduced this technology. Was it originally in 2008 when when they released this? Uh, no, I think it was like 11 or 12. Oh, okay, maybe it was later than that. But you're, you're really the only person I know of who's, who has taken big advantage of this. I mean, I'm sure there are others out there, but uh, you're, you're the only person in our field that I know of doing this. And I, I think you're doing an amazing job. And I, I think they've been very successful. So. I I think you're doing a great thing, David, and I hope you keep doing them for a while. Yeah, well, like I said, I've I've got I'm I'm being more uh, open about future titles now than ever because it's uh, now I'm getting to the point where I'm doing some second editions on some stuff, so I can I can you know tell you about it. I'm I'm hoping, like I said, I've got one that is a secret title that we'll be talking about hopefully on this show in two or three months now. Uh, that's coming along really well. And that's a different kind of book. And then I'm going to do paperless too. And then assuming people like this book, I'm going to start working on the iPad field guide, you know, and, and keep updating the iPhone field guide. Very exciting things. Well, David, tell us a little bit um, uh, briefly. We, we covered this with a lot of people, but people can buy your book in the, uh, the iBooks author store. That's where you get it now. Well, it's just the iBooks store. The yeah. iBooks store. Yeah. Which is a separate store now, right? Yeah. If you just go to maxsparky.com slash paperless. Oops. No. Uh, no. Well, you could. You could go there. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, you could. You can tell which one I was writing on. So I get up every day at like 536 and write for two or three hours. That's like one of the things I do now. And so that's the one I was writing this morning. So that's why I'm, it's on my mind. But if you get if you go to maxsparky.com slash iPhone, uh, you'll see it right there and you can click the link. It'll take you right to the book in the iBookstore. If you're already in the iBookstore and you just search my name, you can see it in there as well. Uh, the PDF version will be out probably two or three weeks after this book ships. But if you go to, once again, maxsparky.com slash iPhone, the link for that will be there too. Well, I'm I'm very excited about it. People people should go get it. They should go buy it. They should support you and, and for everything that you've done to support them. And they should just buy it for no other reason than it's a really good book and they'll learn something. Yeah, I hope so. I hope I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And uh, like I said, I uh, one of the things I like about this book is the kind of the living nature of an iPhone field guide that it will change over time. And I really am interested in feedback from people on like, is there a chapter that they think I should have covered? Um, the trick of course always is I've got to get it under two gigabytes. So putting extra stuff in often ta involves taking stuff out. Right. Well, I look forward to seeing how this one evolves over time. Yeah, me too. And people can share their thoughts uh, about the new field guide. Uh, they can send their tweets to us. Uh, you're at Max Sparky. I'm at Katie Floyd and the show is at Mac power users. And of course they could have a great discussion in our Facebook group which you can find the link to um, at facebook.com slash MacPowerUsers. Uh, or you can find links to everything we do through our website at relay.fm slash NPU. We do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Timing, Mac Weldon, SaneBox, and 1Password. And we will see you all next week. Mm -hmm.